My name is Jacob. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're here. Um, Jesus said things that led people to have three options. So um, he would say things and people would kind of be scratching their heads and they would think either he's crazy, he's uh, evil, like some would say, this guy's got to be possessed by a demon, or that he is who he says that he is. Sort of those three options, like he's crazy, he's evil, or he has to be who he says that he is. And he was saying, I am the good shepherd, I am the one who has come to save. The scripture that we're going to look at this morning is from John chapter 10. I hope uh, you received a a little um, layout of it if you don't have a Bible, but we've got the whole passage there. I just wanted you to be able to see the whole scripture because we'll kind of be looking all around a little bit as we look at a a whole story that, that Jesus told. And in this scripture, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. You may have heard that before. You may be somewhat new to church. I think I've never heard of that. The Pharisees were a sort of high-level, elite, religious person. They had been to a lot of school. They'd passed some uh, important examinations. And they were uh, the, 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 the most religious of the religious. The Pharisees were known for knowing all the rules, knowing all the laws. And they shared all the laws. And they talked about the rules. And they even, at times, added to the rules. So they weren't really bad people. Sometimes if you've been around church, you're Pharisees and you expect someone like me to now, you know, uh, uh, denigrate the, the Pharisees. But really they were just religious people who had gotten to a place where they were focused so much on the rules that they were missing the point. And this morning, I don't want to have any negative connotation necessarily about the Pharisees because I realize that if, it were, if there were present day Pharisees, I would be one of them, Right? The person who went to, to school, the person who studies the law. And I might even say that uh, we uh, could be Pharisees, the people who, who gather uh, together. I'm not sure if I said something that made, made him mad or what, but um, <laughs> I've said it all three. No. Um, here's how the scripture starts. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you. That was a greeting that he used a lot to say. I'm telling you something that's true. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So Jesus is starting into, it's not really a story. Sometimes Jesus would teach with a story. This is more like a figure of speech or a metaphor or an allegory. He begins to paint this picture of shepherd and sheep uh, to teach the Pharisees something. And if Jesus gave a name to this passage, which we have, he would call it the good shepherd, okay? The good shepherd. But if the Pharisees were giving a name to this, they would call it the crazy shepherd, (laughs) Uh, and the reason I say that, if you'll look down all, all the way down and skip down to verse 20, you'll see that the conclusion that the Pharisees come after hearing Jesus say all of this is that he is raving mad. So just keep that in mind as you read, uh, as we read through this, mor- this morning, that the Pharisees' conclusion is that Jesus is cray-cray, like he's lost it, okay? And what the Pharisees call crazy, Jesus calls good, And that's why this morning I'm calling this Jesus the crazy good shepherd. And my hope is that if you came in here this morning and you're like, my life is crazy, that one of these crazy things that Jesus says might speak to you. So the first indication that Jesus might be crazy is he calls his sheep by name. 
The Pharisees are hearing Jesus talk about sheep, and they're kind of, they're going with him. It's fine. He's saying, Jesus says, uh, if you don't enter by the gate, you're a thief. They'd be like, yeah, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd. Okay. Sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. That's right. But when Jesus says, the sheep know my name, the, the Pharisees raise an eyebrow. They're like, what? Um, did I ever tell y'all that I was the president of the FFA? Did I ever tell you that? Future Farmers of America? I can't remember. Uh, so that started in ninth grade. I went to a place called Mount Juliet Junior High. Uh, and in the ninth grade, my agriculture teacher enlisted me in the FFA because he wanted me to be in a public speaking contest. So uh, the contest was called the FFA Creed Contest. So there's an <laughs> FFA Creed. It's really long. And he, I think he thought I could memorize it. And so you memorize it and you present it in this impressive way. So I memorized the creed and I came back and I shared it with my teacher. His name was Mr. Willoughby. And as I was reciting it, I could tell that he was very concerned. And so at the end of it, he said, he said, no. He said, you're way too soft-spoken, you know. Your voice is not strong enough. Your, your voice is not loud enough. You're not, you're not confident enough uh, in, in what you're doing. And so then he asked me a question, and some of y'all will understand this. This was a different Mount Juliet, okay? You probably wouldn't ask that today, this today. But he asked me this question. He said, you know how to call cows, right? I didn't. No. But he just expected, he just expected that I would. So he, uh, he actually knew my grandfather. My grandfather's name is Wilbur, who had a lot of cows. I think he thought that I knew about agriculture, that I would know about cows. And so sort of exasperated. And the district creed contest is fastly approaching. He brings in someone to help. His name was Dr. Clifton Ricketts, a professor of agriculture at MTSU. He actually lives right over here on Posey Hill Road. And I'm so deep in the story right now, I don't really know how to keep, get out. You know, it's like, this is, am I dreaming, Matt? I'm really, this is real. Okay, I'm really really talking about this. So in the, in the agriculture shop of Mount Juliet Junior High, Mr. Willoughby and Dr. Ricketts take me out into the shop and they begin to teach me how to call cows. Keep in mind that there were no cows in the shop. And they're, we're projecting our voice, and they're telling me uh, to try to bounce my voice off of the brick block walls. And uh, they taught me how someone who works with livestock, or maybe a preacher who's preaching in a rainstorm, has to raise his voice to try to get it to the back row, to send the voice across the field, to get the attention of the animals who are far away. And when the animals hear the voice, they recognize the voice. That's the one who's going to take me into safety. That's the one who's going to provide my lunch. That's the one who's going to get me out of danger. Animals respond to voices. Now, uh, because everybody asks, like, how'd the story end? I won the creed contest. So there you go. You can let that go. People are always like, oh, how'd the story end? I won the creed contest. I was sort of a hometown hero. Um, <laughs> I married a beautiful girl. I started the greatest church in America. Okay, so we're caught up. <laughs> Jesus is talking to Pharisees about sheep. And all of them know that sheep recognize the voice. It's shepherding 101. Everybody knows that sheep respond to the voice of the shepherd. But then Jesus says something that changes everything when he says, I call the sheep by name. You may have never shepherded sheep, but you can see that Jesus is wandering into strange territory. Jesus is saying, I'm the kind of shepherd that comes into the sheep pen and says, Hello, Stuart. Hi, Francis, Louise. I don't know what the sheep's name are, but he knows the sheep's name. He calls them by name. 
And Jesus does not see a herd or a massive wool or an opportunity for an economic gain. He sees them individually. He cares for them. And he says, I call them by name, which leads the Pharisees to say, this guy's crazy. The first indication that Jesus is crazy is that he says he calls them by name. But the first indication that he's good is that he calls them by name. It's the same thing. Okay, you can go ahead and fill in the blanks. The first indication that, that he's good is that he calls the sheep by name. What Jesus begins to show us, the picture he begins to paint, is that all this shepherd talk is something the Pharisees can't wrap their minds around. You see, their basis for understanding God is all these rules, and Jesus is talking about a God who knows their name. Their basis for understanding God is, I gotta do this, 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 and this, and if you don't do this, I'm in trouble. And Jesus says, actually, uh, let me tell you about God. He knows your name. I went to see my grandfather, Wilbur, a couple weeks ago, the one who had the farm. He's 88. Uh, He's been in and out of the hospital. I was on vacation. I went to see him, and immediately before I saw him in the Cracker Barrel parking lot in Lebanon, before I saw him, he saw me, and this is what he said. He said, hey, Jake, and it was like an arrow to my heart. You know why? Because he's been saying that that same way for 39 years, which is all I've got. So as long as I can remember, I've been hearing my name from that voice just like that. Hey, Jake. And then he looks me in the eyes and he shakes my hand. Jesus is saying, you think I'm crazy, right? Well, in one respect, you're right if you're thinking that I'm not a normal shepherd because I know the names of my sheep. I call my sheep by their, their names and they recognize me and they follow me. When Jesus uh, announced his resurrection, to kind of put this into perspective, when Jesus, you know, spent three days in the grave and then put on his new resurrected body, when he walked out of the tomb, do you know how he announced universe-shaking resurrection to the world? This is how he did it. Y'all have heard this because it's my favorite story in the scripture. He says, hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Jesus knows her name. It, it, it shows us that, that he's good. He's not crazy. He's crazy good. He knows your stinking name, guys. That's what I'm getting at. Verse four, when he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Voice recognition is very important for Jesus to be your shepherd. So if I heard 100 voices saying, hey, Jake, I guarantee you I could pick out my grandfather's voice. And Jesus' sheep are able to pick out his voice from a crowd. And the only way I've learned to be able to recognize someone's voice is to spend a lot of time listening to them. So keep that in mind when you hear this next verse. Verse 6, it says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. The Pharisees didn't understand what was going on. They hadn't yet spent enough time listening to Jesus' voice. They don't trust him to be good yet. They think he's crazy or worse, demon-possessed. But the heart of the matter is that it's hard for the Pharisees to comprehend a good, loving shepherd when they've set up a conception of God that is one that is just following all the rules and getting it right. So I want to talk to you for a moment if you're out there today and the idea of a good, loving God is just really hard for you to comprehend. Maybe it's because of who your dad was or the church you grew up in, I don't know. But if you can't hear that today, I just want you to hang in there because look at what Jesus does next. Look at what he does for those who don't understand. Verse seven, it says, therefore Jesus said again. I love that verse, it's so simple because Jesus did not give up 
on the Pharisees. Let me try again, he says. He loves them. He loves us. Let me try again. You can almost see Jesus. You can almost see Jesus thinking. He's like, I felt that was pretty clear, but, you know, people have different learning styles, so let me try again. And so here is Jesus trying again. Verse 7, he says, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is is saying, I'm not just the shepherd, I'm the gate. And that's the second indication that Jesus might be crazy because he calls himself a gate. That's one of the tests for being crazy, okay? If If you're calling yourself an inanimate object, like I'm a door, I am lamp. I'm a gate that you need to rest. Okay. (laughs) So Jesus saying he is the gate. Oh, you are the first service to laugh at that. Jesus saying he's the gate. Um, He's not crazy. He's trying to tell them uh, that he's good. In Jesus day, shepherds, you know, nomadic shepherds would travel around and at night they'd have to get in a safe place, oftentimes a cave. So they'd go into a cave with their sheep. The cave has an opening and the shepherd becomes the gate. He sleeps in the doorway. But close to villages, there would be these big pens for nomadic shepherds, for people that were coming close to the village. These big round pens, they'd be uh, stacked up rocks, but the gate would just be an opening because the shepherd is the gate. And the way it worked, because there'd be different shepherds coming through, you might get three or four shepherds who would take his sheep, his 30, 40, 50 sheep, into the sheep pen. So all the sheep come in and they mix around and you got two or three shepherds that are out standing at the gate. And in the morning, the shepherd stands up and do you know how he gets his sheep to go out? He calls for them and they recognize his voice. And so his sheep go out and the shepherd leads them out and the shepherd leads them in. This is a place where Jesus is saying he's the gate, where he's getting into dangerous territory. He says, whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus is claiming to be the way of salvation. But this is not just crazy talk. The second indication that Jesus is good is he calls himself the gate. Check this out. Jesus saying the way through me is the way to safety goodness, provision, rest, and there is freedom. Life with Jesus is not confinement. You know, you see, I'm gonna be stuck in here. No, you can come in and you can go out, but you go through Jesus. You you know to go out because of Jesus and you know to come in. Jesus says he's offering protection. What's he offering protection from? Verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is the most famous verse of John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or a traditional translation says they may have abundant life. If you've ever heard of that, it comes from here. So in the shepherding world, there are thieves. They jump over walls. And do you know what they do? They steal and kill and destroy. How will you know the difference between the shepherd and the thief? Well, you can, notice, you can note it by his handiwork. The thief steals and kills and destroys. So if something is stealing from your marriage or killing your hope or destroying something in a relationship, notice it and note it for what it is. It's the work of the thief. And it's so important. That's why it's so important that we know who the shepherd is and we recognize his voice. Where we get in trouble is when we hear the thief's voice, but because we don't know who the shepherd is, we mistake the thief for a shepherd. That's why it's so important. We come here and we do this. We listen to Jesus' voice. We listen to Jesus' voice so we can know, I know who that is. That's Jesus. And our shepherd says he's leading us into life and life that is full, life that is good. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is different. He's good. He will not run away when the wolf is coming. The third indication that Jesus might be crazy is he says he will die for his sheep. For the Pharisees, Jesus has officially gone off the rails. Crazy talk. What shepherd would die for a sheep? Okay, shepherding is important, but no shepherd dies for a sheep. And Jesus says, I'm a different kind of shepherd. I will lay down my life for my sheep. I know their names. They know my voice. And if they are in danger, I will stand in the way of the predator. The third indication that Jesus is good, he says, I will die for my sheep. He goes on to say, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This may not sound crazy to you, but hang in there. The fourth indication that Jesus might be crazy is he says, I have other sheep that aren't in this pen. I have other sheep that aren't in this pen. What's Jesus saying to the Pharisees, to his Jewish brothers? He's saying, there are more who will be included. There are more who will be included. Jesus begins to share that he will not just be a Hebrew Messiah, but the world's savior. And for the Pharisees, this has to be the hardest. For the Pharisees, this has to be the hardest because they were God's chosen people. And, and just by definition, if you're, a, if you're a chosen person, that means there are other people who aren't chosen. And Jesus says to them, but look, there are others. It's natural for us as humans to want to paint Jesus to look like us. Rachel and I, we traveled, my wife Rachel and I traveled to the Holy Land last November uh, to Israel and to Jerusalem. And we were struck by how the whole world comes to worship our God. It's amazing. People from every country come and and come to worship Jesus and see the sites where, where Jesus was, where he lived and taught. And so you go to a place like where Mary heard the voice of the angel telling her she would carry uh, the, the Messiah. And what, what you find there is art from all over the world, depictions uh, of, of Jesus. Uh, the, the world's most famous artists send their work to, uh, to Israel and to Jerusalem. Or you go to the place where Jesus was born and there's art from all over the world. And what you see is that like the paintings from China, Jesus looks Chinese. That's really cool. The paintings from India, Indian. The paintings from Central America, Hispanic. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. And it's well and good to paint Jesus like a part of our family. He knows our names. That's what I've done this morning. I've sort of talked about it even as my grandfather. It's like a family thing. We're that close. So it's good to paint Jesus like a part of our family. But the danger is when we think he looks only like our family. No, he says, no, there are others. Our mission team to Clinton, Oklahoma, just got back. This is a picture of them. They, they go to the tribal lands of the Cheyenne and Arapaho, Arapaho people. This is a picture of a playground you guys paid for and helped build. We've been out there many times. For seven years, we've been going to this place, the Clinton Indian Methodist Church and Community Center, which is doing amazing work uh, with students and children there. 
In fact, this church has set up a scholarship fund for kids uh, that, that live in this community, and it was three years before one of these kids went to college, meaning the first kid to ever go to college went from there, and you guys were a part of helping fund that. But this started seven years ago because one person in our church said that there are Native American children who, in our country who are living like they're in a third world country. And they said, what are we gonna do? That's how a lot of things start at Providence, by the way. What are we gonna do? I hate when one of y'all come to me and said, says, what are we gonna do? Because we know there was a time when the Native American folks here were considered a less than people. They were forced out of this area. The Trail of Tears runs right through our city. You know that, right? Right through Wilson County. And we've worked small, but I think big in God's eyes to repair. And in a, uh, a few years ago, some of the children and students and leaders of, of uh, the Cheyenne Arapaho tribes were in Mount Juliet and came and worshiped with us because of our connection. And they served us, some of y'all remember, in the, in the middle school, they served us communion. They shared with us Jesus. Why? He's the one who opens up the pen. When Jesus said there are more to be included, he wasn't crazy, he was good. There are more who will be included. You understand what I'm talking about, right? It's us. <laughs> it's us. When Jesus was talking about there are more who aren't in this pen, he was talking about, he was talking to his Jewish brothers and saying, there are more, it's us. The fourth indication that Jesus is good is he has other sheep that aren't in this pen. But this is where Jesus goes from being an annoyance to being someone that the Pharisees have to get rid of. This. They realize Jesus is no longer making the claims of a crazy person or one that is demon-possessed, but it's worse than that. Jesus is claiming to be God. The Pharisees know their scriptures. Like, we've studied Psalm 23 this summer for nine weeks, right? <laughs> Y'all hanging in there? Uh, for nine weeks. Well, the Pharisees, they, they studied Psalm 23 their whole lives. They knew it backwards and forwards, and they see what Jesus is up to. He's saying, I am the shepherd. But they also knew these obscure verses like, uh, that were all through the Old Testament and the prophecy about a shepherd that would come. Uh, here's one from Ezekiel 34, 23. This is the first time this scripture's ever been read in a church anywhere. It's amazing. And he says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. He's saying from the line of David. Jesus was from the line of David, born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And he will tend them and be their shepherd. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, He's saying, I'm the one David was talking about when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus is saying, I'm the one shepherd. I'm not telling stories about sheep, he says. I'm claiming to be Lord. You see, David, who we've looked at, wrote Psalm 23, David was a shepherd who became a king. But Jesus was a king who lowered himself and became a shepherd. And we think, no, no, Jesus, don't, you can't go from there to there. You can't go from being a king to a shepherd. And Jesus says, not only will I go from being a king to a shepherd, I will then become your lamb. And Jesus, in these allegories, begins to fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah who would come. And so this is the conclusion of the Pharisees. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Did you know the people of God can be divided sometimes? And many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Well, that's what half of them said. The other half said this. These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? 
they didn't know what was going on with Jesus. He's, he's, they could see two options. He's crazy or he's evil. And the guys that were asking the questions in the presence of Jesus that day were asking the same questions that we should be asking today. And it's this, who do we think Jesus is? Right? Who do we think Jesus is? He's either crazy, evil, or he is who he says he is. What do you think? What do you think? C.S. Lewis pondered on this. Uh, he's a great theologian and author. He wrote great children's books, but wrote a lot of things. Uh, and he came to his own conclusion because he heard people saying, like we hear sometimes, that Jesus, he was, I'm not sure who he was, but he was a great teacher. Jesus was a great teacher. And C.S. Lewis said that he was trying to prevent anyone from saying that, and here's why. He says, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg. Lewis was an Englishman. He's just using a little expression there. Or else he would be the devil of hell. Lewis says, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come, guys, let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Lewis, who began as an atheist in his search for God, encountered a shepherd, he realized, who actually knew his name, and it changed his life. And so this is his conclusion to that quote. He says, now it seems to me obvious that Jesus was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, However strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. What do you think? What do you think? Here's what I think. I think Jesus is crazy good. I believe he is who he says he is. I will not count him as a fool or a lunatic or a demon. I believe that Jesus is the one David pointed to when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I believe Jesus is the son of God, a king who became a shepherd, who became a lamb to take away the sins of the world. I believe that he laid down his life for his sheep. I believe he stands in the gate and offers protection from any thief. And I believe that he knows your name. <laughs> Will you call out his name today? You see, Paul, when reflecting on all of this, Jesus, who he was, he said that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and some of you are doing that right now, as we've gone through this quote, and you're thinking, you're thinking, I believe, I believe. And Paul says, if you believe that in your heart, and you have the audacity to say it out of your mouth, then you will be saved. And so I have to ask you, as your pastor or some goober you just met. What do you think? <laughs> if you believe it and you say it, you're saved. And so this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. You can wait till the last person's out of the room. But if you want to say that to somebody, you can say it to me, okay? And as you say it out of your mouth and you believe it in your heart, you can experience this Jesus, the gate, the one who leads us into salvation. I want to encourage you to do that this morning. I want to encourage you to consider, even for the hundredth time, if you need to make that confession, because we've already experienced, right, uh, the power of what happens when that is proclaimed in a place, that Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. 
God, we love you. We thank you that you are our shepherd and you give us everything we need. That you make us lie down in green pastures and lead us beside still waters and restore our souls. We thank you that you guide us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for you're with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us now in the presence of our enemies. And you anoint our heads with oil. Our cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We believe Jesus As we come and take bread and juice, let it be for us, God, the body and blood of Christ. In his name we pray, amen.